Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Before we start, I would like to draw your attention to what I can offer you as a master coach. I can help you to focus on your why with clarity, uniting your passion with your purpose with a plan to create the life you truly desire. Book a free 20 minute coaching call right now via calendly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson forward slash call and we can take it from there. Today on Focus on Why, I am joined by Mindy Gibbons-Klein. Welcome. Thank you so much. So what brings you here today, Mindy? What are you focusing on at the moment? Well, my major focus is a relatively new initiative that I started called Giving 1%. And um, it's, uh, it's very, very different from what I'm known for, but I'm really passionate about it and um, going for it. And that's all people are hearing me talking about nowadays. And different to what you're known for in what way? Well, a lot of people know me for a brand that I've been running for 21 years called The Book Midwife, a very successful book coaching brand, globally recognized, trademarked, you know, that is really, really, <laughs> that's what I'm known for. Yeah. And um, and I, I love helping experts bring out great books and I'm good at it. However, that morphed into... Um, thought leadership, which I began talking about 15 years ago. I think that's, uh, we, we met just after that. And thought leadership is one of those terms that, you know, people use, but they don't really know what it means. So my work in that area was all around um, metrics and figuring out if somebody was a thought leader, or how they could aspire to be one, usually by writing and speaking, which, which is uh, not a surprise. But then as that term became used, I decided it was way more important to talk about thoughtful leadership. So thoughtful leadership started with uh, my book, The Thoughtful Leader, eight years ago. I just can't believe all this time has gone by. Um, so it's a natural progression in my mind. But the Giving 1% initiative is simply a manifestation of thoughtful leadership. It, it's thoughtful leadership in action, if that makes sense. It does make sense. And there there seems to be this sort of eight, seven to eight years sort of shift of of moving on, well, between six and eight years for each of these different things going on. So is that something that's happened in your life that you've had these sort of periods of time to let something evolve and grow and then understand that maybe it's time to evolve into something else? Well, I'd never thought of it that way. We've heard of the seven year itch in a marriage, but uh, we're not talking about that. Um, you know, I do like variety and I do like pushing myself, challenging myself. I like being thoughtful about what I'm doing and next steps. So maybe that's just the way that I'm meant to operate. Maybe a lot of people, if they reflected and looked back, have changes every seven years. Never thought about it. So thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> it's only because you just mentioned the sort of time frame and, and it's 21 years, 15 years, eight years. And now this is where we are now. So. Tell me, giving 1%, 
what does it mean? What's what's the desired intention? What's the purpose? Mm, absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll just explain how I came up with it because uh, during the coronavirus pandemic, I found myself in a good position. A lot of people were furloughed or they had extra time, extra money. They, everything kind of slowed down. They weren't going out. So a lot of people wrote books. My book businesses did so well, and I was blessed to have a very, very successful couple of years. Um, I ended up selling my publishing company as well. And in and amidst all that, I had a thought, you know, my income has really gone up, but I don't think my giving has kept up. And it was just a thought because I was looking at my standing orders, which is my regular donations to charities. And I just had a feeling that um, I hadn't really raised them, the, the amounts, uh, for a long time, if ever. So I just did a little calculation. And I don't know if you and the listeners have heard of tithing, but it's a you know, very um, commonly discussed topic of the church and other religions. And, you know, you you hear 10% of your income could go or should go to charity um, I wasn't really observing that, but I, I knew I wasn't at 10%. But I started the calculation thinking maybe it's 5%. I have no idea. I was really upset and embarrassed to, to find out that it was less than 1% of my salary at that time. Um, and I wanted to do something about that. And, and I started chatting with people. We had a lot of chats during lockdown, didn't we? <laughs> you did, certainly. Um, <laughs> and all of mine seemed to revolve around this, hey, you know, I've been doing this thing and what are you doing? I just, I thought, am I, am I going mad? And everybody said, wow, you know, like strategic giving, thinking about your giving in that kind of way doesn't, isn't something that occurs to us. So it took me another year before I launched the website and I, I had some great donations uh, from uh, my web designer and the branding expert who helped us with the branding. So donating their time and creating this space. So it launched, well, it launched in October, 2023. So very recently. And I was shocked because everybody gets it. They All, all we're doing to answer your question finally is um, helping people take stock of what they currently donate to charity. So it's two little figures, um, hopefully not so little, <laughs> but your your net income, your net monthly income, and your net giving per month. So, you know, taking a look at it, and the system tells you what your number is, your giving number, and then it's time to reflect. Is that good enough? And that's a personal choice. It's all anonymous, so we're not shaming anybody into giving more or anything like that. But if, you know, if you don't know where you are now, it's, it's like the, uh, you know, GPS or, um, you know, sat-nav analogy. You can't get where you're going if you don't even know where you are now, right? So that's what we're doing. <laughs> so you're not actually collecting money yourself. You're just asking for people to, to demonstrate what it is they're doing. We're asking people to do a little private calculation. And if they want to, it helps us if they click the little button that adds it to our total but it's still anonymous. And then what they do after that, my vision, Amy, is for people to really get behind this and get excited about it. Use the little badge. We have a cute little badge saying, I'm giving 1%. 
Um, and if they feel confident doing that, or at least 1%, they might like to talk about it and imagine if more and more and more people just gave 1% of their net income every month to any charity of their choice. So we're, we're completely agnostic. We're not even, no, we're not even recommending any charities. So it, it's it's different from what most people think. We're not asking for their money. You're right. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and it's really interesting, isn't it? So tell me what it is that you would love to see as a result of this happen. I'd love to continue capturing the the giving that goes on in our society, but also I, I work in a lot of countries, as you know, and the US being another big market. Um, so it's not it's not restricted to the UK or the US. I, I just want to see that number going up from people who've thought about it, done a little calculation and willing to share and and that the narrative will start to include giving, charitable giving, um, ways to increase our giving. And there's another part of the initiative, which we've only started talking about. I've decided um, after having numerous conversations with charities that my suspicion was right. They have lost a lot of donors and a lot of donations between the pandemic, the cost of living situation, um, fear generally. A lot of people have cut down or just cut out donations. So, you know, charities need real money. Charities have overheads. And as much as somebody wants to point a finger and say, I want all my money to go to the recipient, it's not practical because the charities have staff and they have bills to pay and they don't even get any tax relief. They pay the same tax rate as you and me. And anyway, this is a passion of mine because um, if those charities can't run, they can't do their work. And I've spoken to enough of them to know that regular donations is the key or a key. And my work, because of my background in business, marketing and coaching, is is perfect because I can work with these charity fundraisers and the people in charge of uh, speaking to donors and prospective donors and just get more people putting those standing orders in place. That in itself would make a huge difference because the, I know I'm going on a bit, but the charities can't even budget. They can't forecast if it's all spiky and they never know how much they're going to be seeing. They, they, they can't even hire that next person or commit to the rent or anything. I'll stop now. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm wondering is your incredible backgrounds in being the book midwife, in, in being the thoughtful leadership advocate and understanding how important bringing people's stories into their work. Is there going to be an opportunity for people to share what they've done, what difference is being made, what they've heard has happened as a result? Well, I will answer with my favorite word ever, maybe, maybe. I'm not committing to it. I can't see it. I can't predict. And I want to let things evolve. You know, even the working with charities aspect, that's that's new because of the conversations I've been having. So I don't want to be too prescriptive about the initiative, about my, my role in it, my work. Um, it's the first time in the life of this goal-setting expert, and I've been teaching goal-setting for 33 years, 
that I don't have a set of goals with milestones and dates. I, I want this to unfold as it's meant to. Obviously, I'm steering it. But it's rather exciting to work together with the universe without being too woo-woo. <laughs> have, have that vision in mind. I, I know it's my mission and purpose, at least for now. So to, to work with it, but not to constrain it, not, not to you know, put it in a box and say it has to happen this way. So maybe. And my question is, how do you know it's your mission and purpose? Ah, I just know. <laughs> now, the thing is, um, <laughs> that's not very good for someone who works with words. <laughs> um, what happens inside us you know, the feeling that be it in, you know, up here in your heart or feel it in your gut, wherever it occurs in, in your body, we know, and, and I know some of your guests have spoken about this. It's real for us. We have to be listening. So part of the thoughtful leader strategy, um, not, not just to do with giving 1%, but generally when I work with people on the thoughtful leader strategy, they are, they're encouraged to reflect more, to sit in quiet and be at meditation or going for a walk, but to work with something as opposed to saying, yeah, yeah, I'll get to that and being so busy that we never listen. It is there. I've been blessed you know, since I sold the company and since I have had all this time, I really do have, um, I really do have a gift of time right now. And so I've listened, I've listened to the nudge and I'm working with it and, and I'm, you know, meeting people. It's, you know, call it serendipity or whatever. I'm meeting some amazing people who are helping me to shape this next step. And had it been the plan to sell the book business, the publishing oh, yeah. business? So, yeah. So I've sold, I've sold my publishing company that I co-founded and ran for 16 years. I've kept the book coaching company, the, the, the book midwife brand, um, but I'm doing very, very little of that now. It, it's been exclusive for many years. I, I don't do mass market things, as most people know. I work one-to-one -one with a handful of clients every year. So that is just carrying on. Um, but the publishing company, it's a big, long story. I was not meant to run it. My co-founder left. I took over. Um, I messed things up. <laughs> I... I made the first loss in the company's history and made three more years of losses, nearly lost the company, got serious, took some good advice, worked with all our stakeholders, built it back up, got it back into profit and sold it. And that was the plan. I, you know, I really wanted it to go to a good home. It went to another good publisher and that was not where I was meant to play. Um, you know, it, it's fine. I did my best uh, at all the time I was running it for about 10 years, but my best wasn't right for that business. So, you know, again, listening to the nudges, but doing it, doing it thoughtfully. I wasn't willing to just let it fold or I wasn't willing to walk away from, you know, all the authors and everything that they were promised. So um, it worked out for everybody. That's amazing. And a couple of things you've mentioned, you, you've talked about working with the universe and without it, as you said, being too woo and, and that side of things. Yeah. But listening to the nudges and not meant to where you're 
where you're going to play or what not not where you were meant to play is the expression you said there seems to be this serendipitous nature now to to your your future um well <laughs> one of my good friends um thomas power talks about being open random and supportive and this is something that i've always done um many people think they have to have everything all figured out and and this stops them because they they try to control everything they they have a closed mind they're not open to you know new interactions and magical things happening and they don't they simply don't see it because they think right this is the way it has to happen and many people are like that where you know hand on heart i've probably um caused some of that by all this very strict goal setting methodology and so I have a very different approach to goal setting now, which my clients are benefiting from. Um, it, it's a lot more open to things coming in and shifting what you thought and how you thought it was going to unfold. Um, it's a good balance. We cannot control everything. And I think the past five years has made that um, very obvious to many of us. And the more we try to control things, you know, the more stress we have and, and it doesn't even work. So the random aspect, I happen to love variety and, and exciting new things and the unexpected. That's that's my personality. So I am well suited to that. I mean, I moved to the UK 32 years ago with six bags on a bike and without knowing anybody. That was a big leap of faith. And I can look back and maybe think of five, six, seven other leaps of faith that I just chose to take. And um, I'm not saying everybody is going to be comfortable doing this, but there is some magic when you are open to random connections, random and unexpected experiences, uh, and, and stop trying to control everything in life. And what attracted you to the UK particularly, knowing that you could have gone anywhere in the world? Um, well... It was very serendipitous. <laughs> I had finished everything. I'd finished with a marriage. I'd finished my MBA. I'd finished with a, a job that wasn't going where I wanted. And I could have gone anywhere. You're right. And a boyfriend at the time was moving to the UK and he said, come with. And I thought, okay. <laughs> but he left <laughs> after um, less than a year. Uh, and I stayed. And that was the, 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 that was the moment. It wasn't coming because... It was open-ended. Maybe I only would have stayed seven, eight months, but but I stayed. And so that was the real unknown. And I moved to 200 miles north to Hull. And that was magical in the sense that I met my husband there and we had our kids there. And, you know, I never, it just, who would have predicted that? No one. <laughs> and that's what kept you here. Yeah. And the fact that back then, so these three decades ago, London and, and the UK generally was very different from New York, where I came from. New York, very fast paced, frenetic. I mean, it still is. And it's a bit much for people. They love it, but they, they love visiting for four days. But living there and getting caught up in that, you know, the noise and, and this, it wasn't it wasn't the right energy for me. But I didn't know anything else. And it was just lucky that the pace and just the, the culture and everything to do with the UK, especially moving up north, 
was that much slower, quieter. People had more time for each other. Um, and I realized that I was best suited to living in this kind of space. You know, I, I'm friendly. I love people, but I don't like noise. Many people know that. I don't like, you know, just, just everything chaotic. Um, it, it doesn't suit me. And I can't do my best work that way. So that was um, something that I realized once I decided to stay and once I took the, that leap of faith. And leap of faith, you've mentioned it a few times. What yeah. what does it ex mean for you? Well, it, yeah, <laughs> faith can be a religious term. I don't mean it in that sense. Having faith in having faith in yourself, as as in self confidence, knowing that you know you're you've made good decisions in the past and you can make more good decisions as you move forward in life. Having faith in the universe or life or whatever you want to call it and if people have faith in um you know in a deity and in, in you know god or anything religious that that comes into it as well so it's it's a sense that i'll be okay whatever happens it'll work out as as the late great susan jeffers said and she, she you know, wrote a lot in that famous book field of fear and do it anyway whatever comes up i can handle it that's my favorite quote from that iconic book. And that is what I mean by having faith and taking the leap based on that faith. Whatever comes up, I can handle it. And maybe people need to just sit with that and see if it's true, because I don't believe in, in you know affirmations that we just state and we don't believe them. It, it, it creates you know discord. Um, but for me, it is real. I've done that many unexpected things and my life has gone here, there and everywhere that I think I'm, I'm proving that all the time. So I really do have a deep, deep rooted faith that everything works out. And how about purpose? How is that featured in your life? You know, I have a purpose and I've had different purposes and, I, you know, I'm open and, you know, open to those random purposes that might come my way. I think we shouldn't get too hung up about purpose. I think what we feel right now is what counts. What people um, what people do that gets them into a pickle is feeling, like I said before, feeling like they must have everything figured out and you must have a purpose and you must know your purpose. And I think more, maybe it's like a Buddhist or Eastern philosophy, but more important is to know what your purpose is right now, this minute, and live moment to moment, day to day, and, and be open to things shifting. And, you know, I, I had a purpose and <laughs> I had a goals list that included being a senior VP and high, high up executive in the corporate world. And I never really questioned that until I did. <laughs> and I had a bit of a wobble and then decided I could choose another purpose, you know, because if if that had to be the way it went, I was going to fail. I had, you know, three redundancies and little kids. And I I decided I wasn't going to keep climbing that corporate ladder, but then I needed a new purpose. So, you know, let's let's give ourselves some grace and be open to how we feel now. Are we moving in the direction that feels right? 
and are we being the best version of ourselves today? And that's way more important than having some big plan, in my opinion. How about legacy, Mindy, in terms of how that sits with where you are now, where you want to go and what you'd like to, to leave behind? This is another one of those big words. And what I've realized recently, Amy, is the more we pin ourselves to these big words and these big concepts and we blow it in, up into something massive, the, the more stress we can create. I must leave my legacy. You know, when I do work with wonderful people on their books, if they are absolutely determined to leave a legacy and do it in a certain way, we just talk around that for a while because, you know, like I say, a lot of things we cannot control completely. So for me personally, which is what you've asked me, I don't have this vision of I must do this. This is my legacy. Once I'm no longer here on this earth, my legacy will be what it will be. But I live my life in a way that I'm happy with and, you know, constantly doing that course correction when I notice that I'm not following my um, not my purpose because I've just said, but I suppose it is, you know, it, I'm not, I'm not going exactly in the direction and I'm, I'm not really doing everything that I could do to put it in plain English, then I can just do a little correction. And I, but it, re, it does require this sort of constant self-reflection, which many people don't do, don't know how to do. And like I say, I'm, I'm blessed to have learned it in many different ways and to remember to do it on a regular basis. And this is the work that I do with clients as well. So it's, it's there. It's a very, very important part of um, living your legacy as opposed to leaving your legacy. I'm with you. Yeah, I say it all the time, a living legacy, because otherwise, you know, you 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 think it's going to happen after your life, but actually it's the life that you create that is the legacy. So it's a living legacy always. In, in respect to the self-reflection you just mentioned, I have the reflection with action concept built into this podcast where after every five guests, I have my reflections with actions episode. You just spoke about how it's a regular practice for you. What is it you do in terms of reflection? I carve out the time. So if anybody were to see my calendar, my private calendar, it has not only reflection time, but it has time blocked out that will not be in a meeting or with a client or any business-related time. Uh, I carve out every Friday and occasionally I'll do something that I choose to do on the Friday, which may be business related. I carve out lots and lots of time, blocks of time every day. And, um, you know, when people look at my calendar trying to book a call with me, they don't realize that I've blocked out that time for my own self-care and for thinking, for being thoughtful. And that's 80% of it. Because it doesn't matter what uh, exercises you you use, it doesn't matter what strategies you have, if you don't make the time, yeah, you don't do any of it. Um, the other thing, of course, being a writer, <laughs> I do write things down. I don't tend to do a journal, not in that sense, but I'm writing all over the place. Um, the other day I changed my iPhone 
And I had something like 450 notes in the notes app. And I must go through them more than I currently do. <laughs> That's just one place where I tend to um, capture stuff. I'm with you. I, I've just checked on my notes. 2057. Wow. <laughs> and when was the last time that you looked at them? Every day. So I, I use it as a search. It's like a research for my mind. So I use my notes all the time. So if I'm out walking, I'll just jot something down and and then I, and I'll come back and I would have forgotten about it. And then I, I look at my notes at the end of the day and go, oh, yeah, that's brilliant. I'll put that into that place. And and so it's it's a constant. It's a practice. You have to to not just reflect and, and have that time for reflection, but then it's taking it into action. It's uh, something that Chekhov said, knowledge is of no use unless you put it into um, put into action. So I think that's, I think I haven't quoted that perfectly, but it's the concept you understand. <laughs> I, I agree 100% because I'm always being asked on these podcasts, is thoughtful the same as mindful? And the answer is no, because, you know, when you're mindful, it's fantastic. You're aware, you're noticing, but thoughtful also has that opportunity to figure something out, decide something, do something with that awareness. So we're, we're speaking the same language. Yeah, I love that distinguishment there between thoughtful and mindful. Tell me more about you. You said that you're open to these random purpose. And I love that your friend Thomas Powers, open, random and supportive. It's a, such a, a great sort of maxim or way of life, isn't it? It's a really good way to following. But you mentioned also that you love variety and new things. I mean, goodness, who doesn't love shiny new things? But it's also the unexpected. What has been unexpected in your life? Well, like I said, um, moving up to Hull, which was not in any plan, didn't even know where it was when, when I took the job. <laughs> oh, gosh, I haven't told this story for a while. Um, it was with Kingston Communications and I was living in Fulham and I thought, oh, well, Kingston's quite close, you know, Kingston upon Thames. <laughs> I, I can laugh now because it ended up being a really great time in my life. And I moved up there without knowing anybody. You know, I did a great job while I was there. Uh, but I met my husband in a Tai Chi class up there. That never would have happened. And yeah, so that, that was very unexpected. And just about every friend that I've made in the past 32 years of being here has been unexpected because, you know, I didn't know them before. And then I met them and, you know, we've developed friendships, not with every person I've ever met. Don't misunderstand me. But, you know, those those people who I consider to be good friends, um, those business relationships, you know, even forming the publishing company. At first, I said, no, no, that's not for me. And but being open to being part of something and then being open to taking it over. And oh, I could go on, but um, we're probably running out of time. No, oh, it's lovely. And it is, it is just that having the the opportunities come to you and be open to receiving instead of, as you said earlier, having that very blinkered sort of mindset. And and the way you said you've shifted your way of of goal setting now and not putting a timeline or 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 necessarily a, a any kind of framework or rigidity around anything there is a framework <laughs> it it leaves 
the the outside edge is porous for things to come in, but there is a framework. And you know, if anybody wants to know more, contact me because this this is something that a lot of people stress about. And you know, where are they heading and are they achieving their goals? And there's, there's such a better way to do it. And that's the thoughtful way, as you might have figured out. So you mentioned earlier Susan Jeffers, you've mentioned your friend Thomas Power. Have there been any other influential people that have steered your your life in some way? <laughs> loads, loads and loads of them. Um, in the early days, I was trained by a guy who was trained by Tony Robbins. And then I was lucky enough to experience Tony, do all of the courses, become one of their senior leaders. Tony Robbins is he is the man. And whatever people think, if if they spend time, and I've, I've probably spent 250 to 500 hours in his company, you really see somebody special, uh, somebody who, who's just doing amazing things. Uh, so definitely Tony, um, the, the late, great Stephen Covey, because, you know, the seven habits, it, 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 it's their truths that are that are here. And if you live by those, you will do well. You know, they, they said, you know, highly successful people, but just just highly, highly good people, <laughs> you know, decent people um, to be a decent person is, is, you know, a fantastic goal. And of course, when you mentioned Tony Robbins, I it automatically go to Jim Rohn because that's who he was inspired by. And and then there was another mentor who inspired him. I think it was Mr. Schof, John Schof. And it's it's amazing how this just keeps on going, this chain of, of reaction of people. Yeah. And there is room for everybody who is here to teach and especially who people who are here to teach us a way to live with good values. You know, that, that, the more the merrier. I've done my little bit and I continue to better myself and you know hope hope that I'm part of this personal development industry. Um, but I think, you know, just having that aspiration, having that intention is a really good start. And you mentioned just then a way to live. And I'm currently writing and co co-authored a book, co-authoring a book with my grandfather who's no longer here. And it's a case of he he wrote about a way of life and you just mentioned way to live and there is I think it's the way word that I'm I'm focusing on here is that there are many ways and that's what's so beautiful about living is that there are many ways of living but as long as you are in your in with some purposeful intention instead of just drifting and allowing life to happen and I, I make a distinction between living versus existing because you can live without a purpose absolutely sorry you can exist and have not have a purpose but it really is about living yeah well good luck with that and I think I think we've spoken about it you know when you're writing something important you you want to get it right and I mean just trust that you will you are I'm sure you know that the um the beauty of sharing something like that it's empowering it's it's wonderful for people to get out of a very fixed mindset and you know I'm not going to get into the whole growth mindset but it you know it it really is time to kind of open things up and we're so good in society at at you know closing them in and and putting everything in little boxes and and that's you know that that's not helpful 
you know, you've got the blinkers on, you can't see all the beauty that's all around. Yeah, I love that. So when you, you mentioned that you were married, you had children, and now it's a case of they're flown and grown. You know, you've got your whole, just the focus is more on your input. Tell me what it is that the personal development lessons are leading you to next. I know that you, you, you know, you've got the one, the giving 1%, but do you have any more vision for the future? Um, related to that. So I do a lot of speaking, as you know, I do a lot of speaking in schools, which has always been part of my giving back. Um, I, I love talking to young people because they're, they're more impressionable. They're, you know, less jaded. <laughs> they they're so usually, you know, so full of life and energy and, and they have been beaten down by various things. So I, I've chosen to, with all this extra time and a bit of you know, comfortable life to give back and do more speaking in schools. And, um, in the past, I was always speaking about entrepreneurship, my journey, um, my first book, you know, there's all those things, but you know, adding, giving 1% to the equation means that I have a lovely set of, of talks and topics that people can choose from. So I've just started having more conversations with uh, head teachers and figuring out where I could do my best work, um, where they're open to it. So that's definitely a big part of my future. And um, traveling, <laughs> which was put on hold for so many of us for a couple of years. So, you know, I've got few big trips planned and I've got some milestone birthdays and anniversaries coming up as well. Amazing. So tell me the topics that you particularly choose and the the key takeaways that you would love the children that you speak to to, to take away from your your talks. What would they be? So I really only speak about one thing and I'm really only working in one area and that is thoughtful leadership. So you could break that down into the thoughtful topics and leadership. And that's how I get away with, you know, talking to companies, talking to founders and talking to um, young people. If I only ever speak and train and coach on thoughtful leadership for the rest of my life, that will contain every single thing that I want to share and that you know, people will, will respond to because Let's face it, there's room for a whole lot more thoughtfulness, good leadership, and certainly thoughtful leadership in our society. And do you feel that the next generation are ready to take over the mantle? Absolutely. Probably more ready than we were. <laughs> they, they have so much at, at their disposal. The key thing for them is helping them understand what, what they have, helping them you know, appreciate that this is a special time. They have so many resources. They, they have every possibility still open to them. And there's, there's, it's all about the mindset. So as I'm sure you'd expect to hear from me, that's the area where if I, even if I don't call it that, that that's where I play. Um, it's, it all starts well, here and, and your heart. And I love that you've used the word play again. Ah, I have. Okay, great. I mean, I, I love having fun. I, everything has to be fun in my life. And, you know, I'm glad I didn't even realize I, I said that. So good. Tell me, Mindy, how would people get in contact with you? 
Well, <laughs> I have a very long surname, very long last name, and um, people still spell Mindy wrong sometimes. So I went with MindyGK.com because that way they can't spell the last name wrong. MindyGK.com is my umbrella website for my speaking, training, coaching. It has lots of media stuff. I will get this interview there uploaded as soon as I can. And that is a way for people to connect as well. So um, I now have one name like Beyonce or Madonna, Mindy GK. <laughs> I love that. Brilliant. Mindy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your focus on why it's been a delight to hear your journey and your your next focus, which is or your current focus, I should say, which is just fantastic and a great concept. So highly recommend that people go and check out the Giving 1% as well. So the links are in the show notes. So go and check them out now. Do you have some final words, please, Mindy? Yes, I, I think I said it before. And it's it's something that occurs to me. I'm, I'm a little bit of an empath. And I get the feeling that a lot of people are being really hard on themselves. So for the listeners, and for you and for me, you know, let's give ourselves some grace because we are amazing and we're doing an amazing job already. And if we choose to do a little course correction and be a bit better and improve ourselves and, and the lives of the people around us, that's great. But we are already doing great. So, you know, let's give ourselves some grace. How has this conversation had an impact on you? What value have you received from tuning in? What are your reflections with actions? Please take a moment to leave me an Apple podcast or Spotify review sharing how Focus on Why has made a difference to you today. Remember, the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going, simply connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter or join the Focus on Why Facebook group. All the links are in the show notes. Have a purpose, have a plan, Focus on Why.